Welcome to episode 176 of The Cool Room, and what a bumper episode we have lined up today. Uh, I'm your host, David Griffiths, and uh, really looking forward to having your company for a long episode today. We've jammed a lot in. I literally almost thought about breaking this up into two episodes uh, and getting double the ratings, but I thought, no, look, let's do it all in one, and I hope you'll be able to listen through right to the end we've got a heap of fascinating interviews for you today. We're going to kick off uh, with old mate Jeff uh, from Three Ravens. Then we're going to be talking to Ben from Bridge Road, uh, Jimmy from Goodland, and then Scott from Wolf in the Willows. Uh, All of them are going to be on talking about their good beer week plans and, of course, giving you a bit of an insight into what's happening at their breweries at the moment. Uh, And then we're going to go over to the second half of our Urban Alley Masterclass, which took place on Thursday night a week or so ago, uh, and again, filled with some really fun insights. I've actually had the chance to go down and do uh, some 10-pin bowling next to uh, the Urban Alley site in Docklands and go to the Docklands venue of Urban Alley since we did this interview. Uh, So a really uh, a fun place to be, I can assure you of that now, having experienced it firsthand again in the last week or so. Get down there if you get the chance. Before we kick off with today's uh, today's events, uh, let me just run through a few of the things that we have lined up uh, in the call room, both in the flesh and in our virtual lives as well. Uh, I started to write down this list and it just got longer and longer and longer. I'll rattle through it as quickly as I can, but there's so much good stuff coming up. Really hope that you can come and join us uh, for some of these events. And obviously that's how we keep the podcast ticking along, is by your support uh, in all of those sorts of things. You'll hear plenty today about the Hair of the Dog Breakfast. Uh, Really looking forward to that. Uh, Last tickets are available now on the Good Beer Week website. Just search that up, or obviously you can get the links through our socials. The one that's a little bit of the sleeper uh, down at Beer Deluxe is the event the following week on Friday, uh, Friday, I was going to say Friday, Wednesday the 31st, uh, where Sierra Nevada Brewing from California are going to be in town. That's right, Steve Grossman from Sierra Nevada, the world ambassador for that brewery, family member, uh, expert, has been there from the beginning is going to be at Beer Deluxe with me, uh, talking us through some of their both uh, legendary standard beers, a few special things as well. Uh, A really great night, designed to be cheap to come along and enjoy. Uh, So grab some friends and come along and meet one of the absolute pinnacles of world craft beer. A fantastic opportunity, and I'm genuinely honoured to have been chosen to do that interview. It should be really great fun. So come along and do that one. Uh, And uh, we've got plenty of other big, fun live events happening during Good Beer Week and Gabs. If you haven't already followed us on Facebook, please do so, and then go and check out the events section of Facebook uh, Cool Room, and you'll be able to see the various other things that we're doing. We're going to the Brewery Brawl, we're going to Gabs, uh, plenty of opportunities come along and hang out with your Fellow cool rumens, as I like to call you all. Uh, And obviously, the other thing that's happening in the virtual world is that we're getting ready for more of our online masterclasses. 
very soon we have Bacchus coming up. The beers that they're bringing onto the show are amazing. I think there's only about three packs left for that in our Shopify store. So please support the podcast and grab some of those beers. That way you can join us live on a Thursday night on Zoom uh, and get to interact with the brewers, get to make sure that your questions get answered. Uh, a really fun opportunity there. We're going to have to do a bit of a clean-out of some of the uh, the cool room. Uh, we've got some six-packs that in the next week or so will go on special, uh, just so that we can create enough room for the black box uh, that we're doing with Carwin. And if you haven't already checked out that uh, truly amazing 12 beers uh, that in conjunction with Carwin Cellars we've put together, we're going to be talking to all those brewers over four podcasts in July. Absolutely last boxes available for that now. Jump on to the Shopify again and grab them while we've got them or you'll miss out on some amazing, super, super, super limited edition beers uh, and I really look forward to being able to talk about all of those with you. I was out at Carwin on the weekend uh, for the friends of the cool room out there. Shout out to Jacob. It was great to catch up with you and some of your mates and your little daughter, mate. Fantastic to be out there spending some time, uh, not just with the team from Carwin, not just with Cool Rumens, uh, but also Hop Nation were out there with their dog beer. And so Lionel, the English setter, is even fuller of delicious Hop Nation dog beer, uh, beautiful bone broth that, uh, than he was previously. If you haven't tried that, that's a bit of fun. And go back and check the archives for uh, an episode recently where Hop Nation were on as part of the Good Beer Week series. Um, hopefully you're really enjoying the series. We are uh, so cognizant that we're packing a lot of things into these episodes, but so much good content available to us at the moment. Why wouldn't we be out there doing those interviews? Hopefully you're enjoying them. Give us some feedback. Join us on the socials uh, and give us the feedback. Send us an email to coolroompodcast at gmail.com especially if you'd like to be one of our news cadets uh, all sorts of news I want to talk to you about but this episode is already full enough without going into all of that so without any further ado let me introduce my good old mate Jeff Hansen from Three Ravens and we'll get under, underway with today's interviews <laughs> Well, here we are. We're kicking off another one of our Good Beer Week Spectaculars, another one of these super episodes jam-packed with all the information you need to know about Good Beer Week 2023. And apart from anything else, one of the things that I'm enjoying about these episodes is the opportunity to catch up with old mates. And when it comes to the Melbourne beer scene, one of my oldest mates, and I mean that in the sense of long-term mates rather than an elderly friend, is Jeff Hanson. Jeff, you're at it, Three Ravens. Um, good to have you back on the show. It's been a while. Oh, it's great to be here, Dave. It's lovely to see you, mate. And um, yeah, it, I, I, I feel like we do have a lot of history behind us in, in the beer world, mate. So uh, yeah, absolutely delighted to be on the podcast. We, uh, we should refer people back to our archives. If you want to know more about the Jeff and David story, well, then track down the time that Three Ravens was on the podcast for one of our extended Thursday night masterclasses, uh, and you'll learn the full Three Ravens story and the full David and Jeff story. Um, really sort of succinctly, mate, tell us the Three Ravens story for people who haven't gone back to the archives. When did the brewery start and whereabouts is it located? Oh, so uh, we're, we're located in Thornbury. Um, that's where we've always been. The brewery started back in 
2003. So we're actually, which makes us Melbourne's oldest independent craft brewery. Um, and look, I think over the years, a lot of your listeners will probably have encountered Three Ravens. And we're really proud that we, we're, when, when we speak to people out there in the trade and, and people who have been enjoying craft beer for a long time, uh, we find a lot of them have very fond memories. And quite often they'll say to us that one of our classic range beers is one of the first craft beers that they tried out in the trade. So um, we're really proud to maybe have gotten people commenced on their craft beer journey over the years. Um, I think that's one of the one of the best things working in the beer industry is quite often you'll be talking to an individual and, and talking them through a beer and you, you actually see the moment the penny drops for someone about craft beer. Uh, and that's that's probably the best feeling you get in this trade, I think, where you convert someone from their old understanding of beer and then all of a sudden this whole world of craft beer and the variety that it offers opens up for them. It's a, a great uh, a great sort of thing to share and your brewery is a great one from that point of view because there's everything from really approachable poor range beers that people who've never drunk anything other than macro lager can, can try through to some really weird and wonderful things. And I say that in a very positive way. It's a, it's a really broad spectrum that, uh, that Three Ravens covers. That, that's really true, Dave. Yeah, so we, um, our core range is are really, they're designed to be easy drinking, approachable beers, um, exemplars of their style. What we really aim for is um, for our core range to be something that, exactly what I was describing, to bring someone into the craft beer world, great introduction, um, solid, reliable, and um, yeah, and then as you say, we, we range all the way through to some pretty unusual beers, some beer wine hybrids, some uncarbonated um, stock ales, um, a barley apera that we have out there. So, yeah, we've got an enormous range. And, and really, um, no matter where someone is on their craft beer journey, there's going to be a beer that is going to appeal to that person. Um, say, by doing... Sorry, I've got to say that at this time of year, when, uh, as we'll discuss a bit in this episode with numerous people who come on, as it starts to feel wintry in Melbourne and a young man's thoughts turn to uh, oatmeal stouts, <laughs> Three Ravens is uh, just a classic of that style. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the beers I was alluding to from our classics range. And um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, Dave, because we've just relaunched that beer in a new package. So um, if your listeners keep their eyes peeled in stores, um, we've got a great new-looking can, which is um, very much a heritage beer-style can. So uh, it, it looks really, really cool. It's the same recipe. It's the same beer. Um, we feel like that beer is exactly what's needed for, for that Melbourne winter. 4.5% uh, oatmeal stout, easy quaffer, um, a nice level of roast and bitterness, but not so aggressive that it's um, that you have to stop on one or two. Uh, it's an all-night stout, that one. It said I didn't expect you to have quite that spiel lined up for it, but um, that's fantastic. <laughs> You're very good at your job, brother. Thanks, mate. Uh, we'll get on. You guys have got so many fun events coming up for Good Beer Week, but I, I should ask before we get to that, in terms of the, the tap room itself, what's on tap out there at the moment that you're particularly enjoying? Oh, what's, what am I enjoying? I really, I mean, the Black Oatmeal Stout having just relaunched is is a real favourite of mine. But um, what from our range at the moment, our New World IPA is just tasting spectacular. Um, 
We So we recently completed a brewery upgrade, uh, which was amazing. So last year, we did a major crowdfund and brought on a whole new cohort of investors. Uh, and that funding enabled us to upgrade our brewery uh, in a way that we've never done before. So uh, our brewery grew ad hoc from 2003 up until last year. And, and as you could probably understand, it, when things grow in that way, um, perhaps they're not the most efficient way of doing things. So this presented an opportunity for us to do a root and branch redesign of how we go about our production. Um, and so in doing that, what it meant is that we were able to do more of our production in-house. And so our New World IPA has been bought in-house and we're producing that beer um, on our new kit using about 30% of the electricity we previously used to use. Uh, and it's... It's actually giving us amazing results in the way the beer is tasting. So back to your original question, Dave. When I'm at the tap room, I'm drinking our new World IPA. And is our Brendan Brewer wandering around with a big smile on his face as he's playing with all the new toys? He is. I mean, it's commissioning a new brewery. Uh, I won't say it's without stress. Uh, but <laughs> he, it's quite the opposite. <laughs> he's, um, he's pretty excited to be playing with that new equipment, yeah. Awesome. Look, uh, I really recommend that people get out and uh, visit the brewery if they get the chance. It's a, a really fun opportunity and such a fun range of beers to, to be trying. But let's talk Good Beer Week. That's what we're here to do. We're here to talk about, first and foremost, the event that excites me most. People have now listened to four episodes worth of my excitement at the Ear of the Dog Breakfast. Um, Jeff, you say you have hazy memories of a very, very distant Hair <laughs> of the Dog Breakfast but that sort of does give people a bit of a feel for the origin stories of it and just how long this institution of a breakfast has been around for. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, the very first Good Beer Week that I attended would have been, I think, 2010. I wasn't, a, I wasn't actually living in Melbourne at that stage. I, I flew in from Western Australia for that particular event. You must have been 14 years old or something. <laughs> around that, yep. <laughs> um, they, but they still let me in. I had a fake ID. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that it was many, many years ago. And um, the thing about the Hair of the Dog Breakfast is that it's the morning after the AIBA Awards, uh, which is obviously a big night for the industry. Um, and I learned very quickly that uh, attending the Hair of the Dog Breakfast after the ABAs uh, wasn't the best idea. It's kind of a one or the other scenario. So um, is, as Dave and I were discussing earlier. Um, but yeah, I, I believe I was hosting BrewDog at... at an event many, many years ago. And I think that was the last one I went to. And unfortunately, because of my excesses of the night before, um, I wasn't able to appreciate the beer or the food in the way I probably should have. Well, that's a good... I know there's a few people who are attempting to do both this year. I wish them, and I'm sure they're listening in, I wish them every success. Uh, I won't be joining them at the Avers. I just, uh, I know my limits as a 49-year-old man. My advice, stay hydrated. <laughs> It's great advice, and I'm sure advice that will be ignored by absolutely. <laughs> I recommend everyone who is going to the going to the AIBAs, whether they're going to the Hair of the Dog breakfast or not, drink at least two pints of water before they leave home. Yeah, and um, really genuinely as well for anyone who's thinking about spending a day wandering around enjoying pints of Origin or spending a day at Gabs or whatever else. It's I know it's old man advice, but it's genuinely <laughs> so important. <laughs> 
Do yourself a favour, yeah. Exactly right, exactly right. Um, look, I know we'll be talking in the next episode with Talina, who's the head chef uh, in at Beer Deluxe. Uh, they're going to give us the full rundown of all of the food, but I'm really keen to hear from you about the beers that Three Ravens are going to be bringing along for the breakfast. Yeah, 100%. So we, um, it's funny, we were speaking about IPAs before and the New World IPA, um, and look, I, I think Three Ravens, we've gotten a bit of a name for ourselves with, for our New England IPAs and our hazy IPAs. But um, one of the beers that we're putting on for the Hair of the Dog breakfast is a new beer, and, and it's part of our Nevermore series. So our Nevermore series are our one-offs, as the name as would suggest. As a former suggest. literature teacher, I do love a good raven, uh, <laughs> you know, allude to a raven, so that's good. 100%, yeah. So uh, Nevermore Hello Dankness, it's called. And so it is a West Coast IPA weighing in at 7%. Um, and so, I mean, I suppose beer, the beer world is as um, prone to fashion as any other part of the world is. And, and it's very much a new fashioned West Coast IPA. So if we think about maybe 10 years ago where West Coast IPAs were laden with crystal malt, um, and really, they, they strike, even though they did achieve quite a lot of hot flavour and aroma, those West Coast IPAs of 10 years ago, it really was about, it was a bit of an IBU arms race is what it was. Um, but this beer is about, um, it's very much a new fashioned IPA. So clear, very, very pale, very, very dry, high hot flavour and aroma, um, and just enough bitterness to carry along uh, the malts and to pro provide um, a sort of stable base for the hops to be layered over the top. Um, this is a brand new beer, so it's actually still in tank. I haven't tasted it yet. Um, so it, it's going to be very, very fresh for the event. Um, and look, Brendan, Brendan speaks about this beer and it's an observation that he's made is that um, if we love drinking IPAs in winter. It's actually a really great style to drink in winter, even though it is a pale beer. Um, and he suggests maybe it's the antidepressant um, elements and qualities of the hops. Um, we're not too sure, but it's a really great beer for drinking in winter. Um, it, it uses Centennial, Citra, Simcoe, Strata, Galaxy um, in traditional pellet form, but we've also used Cryo Hop, Incognito and Spectrum. So a few of those wow. exciting new hop products, uh, which enable us to get more hop flavour and aroma um, and no astringency or no, not overly bittered. Um, so Brendan's pulled no punches in putting this IPA together and, and I expect it's going to be a, an absolute beast. It's going to be a beast, particularly nice and fresh. And um, obviously Brendan will be out there on the day as well to run us through whether what comes out of the tank is what he was expecting to, to have come in. So Exactly um, right, yes. Yep. Um, the other beer that we're doing is, so we, uh, part of our core range is Acid Original Sour, which is our, um, that's our kettle sour, um, which we whirlpool hop generally. But we also have, uh, as part of the Acid range, the Acid Test series. So what we do is we, we take our, um, we take, take our Acid Original Sour and then we add some additional elements to it. And so what we have is acid test number 12, which is called berry acid. Um, some of the other acid tests we've done over the years, we've done uh, honey and lemon myrtle, and, and we've done a whole whole range of flavours. Um, uh, and there's been some really beautiful collaboration beers among those that we've done with other venues. 
Um, but this one is one that we've done for ourselves just because we're really excited uh, and we had access to some amazing ingredients. So what we've done with berry acid is we've used cherry, raspberry, blackberry, blackcurrant and boysenberry. And um, you, haven't this, missed, you haven't missed anything there, have you? You've got the full suite. No, well, Brendan likes to joke that um, actually one of those isn't actually a berry, but it's only an honorary berry, uh, even though it rhymes with berry being cherry. Uh, but it's... I, I like the pedantry. You know, I like pedantry. So that's really <laughs> uh, Brendan offers that, if nothing else. Um... <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't listen into this podcast now. He definitely will. Um, <laughs> I think it's a brewer thing. It's not a Brendan thing. Um, and look, it's that kind of pedantry that results in amazing beers. Exactly um, right. It, well, well, well rescued. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, amazing beer. This one has actually, I have tried this and it has been kegged. What I can say about it is that the colour of it is just spectacular. Um, it Part of it is that we were actually able to use... Um, and it's a big thing for Three Ravens is that we will attempt to use waste streams of products uh, for our beers. So something that might otherwise go to waste will take on board. Um, and so uh, as part of the, so the, the, we used frozen berries for this, but the, as, when they're processing the berries, quite often crumbs come off and pit, bits come off. Uh, and those might other go, otherwise go to waste. There's absolutely nothing wrong with them. They impart flavour. They impart all the same uh, qualities as whole fruit does, um, but it's a big thing for us. We're, we're trying to reduce, as well as the sustainability upgrades for our brewery, we're trying to reduce food miles and use as many inputs that we can that mean our beer has as little impact on the environment as possible. And so that's something we do uh, with our um, NatRav series as well, waste streams from wineries of pressed grape skins we'll bring into the brewery and we'll work with those. Um, but yeah, back to the acid test. This this beer is absolutely incredible. Uh, I think it's actually going to be a really great breakfast beer. Oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know the order at the moment uh, of the beers that we'll be serving throughout, but that just sounds like the the excellent come in and um, refresh the palate from your toothpaste and let's get underway for the day. Hundred percent. Yeah, three point five percent. So lowish ABV. Um, I, I think that's going to be really popular in the morning. Um, I'm not sure. Is there any Imperial Stouts on the lineup, Dave? Oh, there's, there's all sorts of things. And I've got to tell you that some of what Tallboy and Moose and others are bringing along, <laughs> as you might imagine, will be uh, will, will boggle the mind. Uh, mm. So we've, we've got a big lineup, but that's, that's all the more reason why it's important to actually have something genuinely uh, refreshing and crisp to start the day with. Yeah, this is going to do it for, for the people at that breakfast. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous that they get... I, I, you know what? I might wake up one morning and have a try of this uh, just to see what the morning effect of it is. I'm jealous of future David as we sit here on a Wednesday morning, you know, with a lukewarm cup of coffee. Future David... Uh, this David is very much looking forward to future David tasting that beer at breakfast time. 100%. You've got uh, so that's our two beers for Hair of the Dog. Yeah, fantastic. I look genuinely, they sound magnificent. And again, you know, fantastic that uh, you guys can be involved and that Brendan can come along and talk us through uh, all of the uh, all of the flavours that we should be experiencing in person. You guys have got some other fun events coming up, a couple that I really want to mention. I, I noticed there's the Battle of the Bars out at the Keys. I'm sure that'll be good fun. But the two I really want to concentrate on are, first of all, the Good Things Take Time event out at Cinder. I only literally noticed this one right now when I Googled Ravens on the Good Beer Week website, which, of course, is where you can find your tickets for all of these things. 
this looks like fun, my friend. This looks awesome. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about this one. So um, Cinder, the Cinder restaurant, your viewers or listeners might not know, is uh, at the Terminus Hotel in Fitzroy North. Uh, they've got a really, really beautiful restaurant there, um, which focuses on dry-aged meats. Um, and when they invited us to be part of this, we, we were super excited. Um, and we we saw it as an opportunity, So, or to backtrack a little bit, so it's dry-aged meat and barrel-aged beers is the focus of the event. Uh, and it's ourselves and Boat Rocker, um, amazing brewery, Boat Rocker, and, and with a huge track record of making incredible barrel-aged beers. Um, so to be on the lineup alongside those guys, um, we're really proud that they selected us. But we also saw it as an opportunity to maybe present something um, a little bit different in terms of uh, what people might be expected expecting from their barrel-aged beers. Uh, so admittedly, we will have one barrel-aged stout on the lineup. But uh, I think what I'm really excited about is we're actually presenting our Beer de Miel, uh, which is part of our Wild Raven series. And our Beer de Miel is a, is a honeyed ale, so a honeyed wild ale and barrel-aged. So Brent, we've got an amazing amount of barrel stock at our brewery and um, for that wild series that we produce, really the skill is in the blending of multiple barrels. So, Brendan, if we can imagine those individual barrels as different colours for Brendan to paint in from a flavour perspective, uh, he's got an amazing lineup of colours that he can select from. Um, and indeed, like anything with blending, it's, it's quite often the unexpected choices or the unexpected combinations that you put together um, which create magic. And so Brendan's kind of come up with something incredible for this beer de meal. Um, he's used uh, some, some incredible Australian honey with this particular beer. And the result is a very, very pale, almost paper dry beer. And then with like these hints, hints of honey where it's, I don't know, it's the base notes of honey, which I find it really hard to describe what they are, but it's... Um, it, it's an impossible thing to describe, but if we think about like honey as having that sweetness, but there's a certain level of mustiness to it. Um, and I think that's what really comes out in this beer to meal. And so we think that um, this beer combined with the dry aged meats is going to be quite an un unusual experience and quite a, a different combination uh, to what people might otherwise expect from a barrel aged uh, beer dinner. Uh, the other one that we've got is our Solera stock ale, which is, uh, a beast a of a classic beer. for you guys now, isn't it? it? It is, yeah. It's a beer that we produce annually. Um, and look, some elements of this beer, I'm trying to remember. So I think some elements of this beer date back to 2011, uh, which was our, um, oh, what beer was it? It was our... I'll have to get back to you on that one. Uh, so it, it dates back to when Adrian McNulty was at the brewery. And um, he, yeah, so he started the barrel program back then. And so so this particular beer, we create a very, very strong barley wine and we top up a barrel with it. Um, and then we use that barrel for our Solera Stock Ale annually. And then it's topped up annually. Uh, the beer was the Druid, by the way. It's just oh, right. it's come to me, uh, which people would have fond memories of the Druid. It's an amazing beer. Um, 
Yeah, so we use the barrel and we reuse it every year. We top it back up with this barley wine and then we present it in a 750ml bottle um, and it's it's uncarbonated. So it's very, very much like, it's more like a, the experience of drinking a sherry. It has um, quite deliberately intense oxidative notes uh, and it's an amazing accompaniment for for cheeses and the like. So that's that's going to be something special on the night as well. I can certainly remember we had that one uh, in our lineup when you uh, were on the podcast for your lengthy uh, visit. So, um, again, go back and check that one out and you'll get to hear uh, all of us discussing uh, that particular uh, tipple uh, together at the time. It was a, a really memorable drink. Oh, that's I, I now recall actually decanting uh, many <laughs> bottles of it, David. So That's exact, exactly right. The effort you put in at that time was pretty amazing, I've got to say. I mean... I mean, I realise you, you you tried to say earlier in the podcast that I'm not an old man, but what I can confirm is when I was decanting those bottles, I put my back out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fully understand. Um, look, that sounds like a really fun event. And then, look, in terms of we're talking about Good Beer Week traditions and, and events that have now been around for a number of years and are much, much loved uh, in the Melbourne beer community, and obviously, Woods of the North ticks that box. Woods of the North, seven this year, I believe. That's right, Dave. Yeah, so it's the seventh edition of our Woods of, of our celebration of all things wood. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited about this. Uh, should be amazing. We, you know, it's a presentation of barrel-aged beers, um, then spirits, barrel-aged spirits. Um, we've got a new bar manager who has an amazing cocktail background who's going to be putting together a few matched cocktails for the event. Um, and then, yeah, massive lineup of beers. I won't reveal too much, but there'll be things at Woods of the North that you're not going to be able to try anywhere else. So I would recommend getting tickets. It's actually sales of, of tickets of that particular event um, are always very, very strong. So if you're wavering about thinking about going to Woods of the North this year, I'd recommend acting soon because uh, it's likely to sell out in the not too distant future. Act now to avoid disappointment. <laughs> Precisely. Yep. Uh, <laughs> there won't be a second session. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm sure it will be just like we were saying at the very beginning about the brewery's approach to things. Uh, whether you are a very experienced drinker of these styles and looking for something different, or whether you want a bit of an introduction and you want to learn more about really what is a, a classic and interesting style, both ends of that spectrum, I'm sure, will be available at that day. And people Absolutely. will hold your hands and teach you all about it if you're new to it. Yes, and there'll be food and drink and there'll be, um, there'll be music. Um, yeah, so it, everything that we can possibly pull together for, which is wood-themed, we will be doing on that I, day. So. I, I note that from the website where it says, tasty tunes, uh, funky cocktails and plenty of other woody treats. And I, my mind is boggling about what a woody treat might be. Don't spoil it for us. Let's, just all, let's all just ponder what a woody treat might be. I expect barrel-aged water. <laughs> Jeff, look, thank you so much for your time. It's, uh, it's been a bit of a, a session to try and set up the time to be, to be together, but I appreciate that the effort that you've put in. And um, tell people where they can follow the Three Ravens story on social media and so forth if they want to just make sure they never miss Three Ravens news. Yes, so get, get us on www.3ravens.com.au. Uh, that's the number three. And you'll find us on the socials as well. We've got an amazing marketing manager, Justine. So uh, Hello, on the Justine. 
Hello, Justine. She'll be listening. Uh, <laughs> at Three Ravens uh, on, on Instagram is a good way to find us. And then um, the obvious place on Facebook as Three Ravens. We will look forward to seeing you at all of those great events, mate, and um, a really solid lineup of things that I know that are on the cards for you for Good Beer Week. And um, thank you again for being in the cool room today, and we look forward to having you on again for an extended session very soon. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Dave. We're continuing our Good Beer Week special events uh, and our special podcasts, celebrating some of the awesome things that Melburnians and people visiting Melbourne can look forward to in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to be joined in a moment by Goodland Brewing. Um, Now, for those of you that want to delve back into the archives, I think I'm right in saying that the last visit was episode 148. So go back and check that out if you want the full extended mix uh, of the stories about the Goodland, uh, how they were set up, and uh, the really interesting ethos behind them. Uh, We'll hear all about uh, Jimmy's travels around the world again today, I am sure. But um, really good to have you back on the podcast, mate. Welcome back to the show. Hey, David. Thanks for having us on again. Uh, Feels like it was not that long ago we were chatting, which is good. It feels like both not that long ago and that a lot has happened in the meantime, and you in particular, I think, you know, one of the busiest brewers in Victoria, uh, and that's saying something given how busy everyone is uh, as we head into mid-May here in Melbourne. Definitely, definitely. Um, especially with this weather change that we've just had come through, we keep busy to keep warm as well. <laughs> Yeah, the other day we were chatting, in fact, I think it'll come out in this same episode, I was chatting to Scott from Wolf in the Willows as he was heading back from Falls Creek as the first snow was starting to fall. It certainly feels like it's snow weather now. It does, it does indeed, which also means uh, stout weather too, which we love, so uh, you sort of can't go wrong there, I suppose. Absolutely right, mate. I'll get you to make sure that your mouth is pointing towards the microphone there because it's a little bit sketchy with our connection. No worries. That that's, that's way better, my friend. And um, look, aside from anything else, when, we, when we're talking about regional Victoria, we think good land. For people who haven't gone back and checked out episode 148, can you tell us, first of all, where you are and whether you feel that snow country weather there where you are, uh, and obviously then just the really broad brushstroke story of when you started Goodland and, and what the idea behind the brewery is? Yeah, no worries. So we're uh, two hours or around two hours east of Melbourne um, in beautiful Gippsland down here. Um, we started the brewery around two years ago in Trelgan. Uh, so we've got a little tap room, 25 hectolitre brew house. We mainly sort of service the, you know, the local bars, pubs, um, restaurants, that sort of thing, as well as our own little tap room. And then um, we've got a good amount of um, clients and stuff in Melbourne that take our beers, and you know, which is really, really good to work in with those those pubs, bars, and all that sort of thing as well. So, but um, yeah, two coming up to our second birthday in the end of July. So, um, is that all? Gee, you've packed a lot of beers into that into that time period. Yeah, we've kept ourselves busy, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, sometimes too busy, and sometimes um, we think, uh, shit, now we've made too much beer. What are we going to do? And then um, it all disappears, and then we're worried we've got no beer. So it goes and swings <laughs> and roundabouts, but. No, it's good. We keep, um, we definitely keep the locals entertained with um, um, the tap tap room and, and new releases and all that sort of thing. So they they really enjoy having having that local side of um, 
you know, having good beer down here in Gippsland, um, as well as the other the other great breweries that are down here as well. But like in saying that, I think the closest brewery to us is about 50 k's away. So, um, you know, it's still Gippsland's a huge area. Um, and while there is, yeah, there's I think there's 14 of us now in Gippsland. Um, yeah, it's a huge area to cover, and yeah, 50 k's to the next brewery, and then the next one after that's another, you know, 20 k's after that. So. Um, it's not, a walking, it's not a walking crawl that you're doing then, is it? You, no, you definitely not. Definitely not. You almost need a helicopter or something, but yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I've got, in terms of Melbourne locations where you're available, I'll do a shout-out to my mate Leanne at Pinnock Beer and Wine, where this weekend I was enjoying both The Woman on Mars and Man on the Moon, two great autumn beers from you guys. Yeah. Um, loving The Woman on Mars, I've got to say. Yeah, definitely. That was a... Um, we sort of wanted to back something up. We did Man on the Moon last year, which is our chocolate milk stout with vanilla. Um, huge hit in the tap room, um, huge hit um, wholesale and that side of things. And, yeah, so we sort of wanted to pair that up with another one, and it was a concept that we've been working on with the guys in the room and um, me and Jesse in the brewery. And, yeah, we come up with Woman on Mars. So we sort of, uh, like, we had Lucy, the, which is my sister. Um, she's our artist as well, does all the artwork on all the cans. She come in and brewed it with us. On, uh, we brewed it on International Women's Day. We had her come in to brew it with us. And then um, we dry hopped it with um, the new um, Pink Boot Society blend of hops as well. So we sort of wanted to keep it really in that, that um, theme of, of that. And, um, yeah, we, we really liked the idea of we had Man on the Moon and Man was first to work or walk on the moon and we thought... You know what? When we go to Mars, we we think it should be a woman. You know, first step on Mars would be great. So we sort of wanted to yeah, keep it along there. And then, of course, it's autumn. Uh, nice red IPA, nice and malty, all Voyager malt. Um, and then backed it up with that blend of American hops. It's uh, um, yeah, real nice, easy going treat, really. It seems like we've been super lucky here in Melbourne. We've had a whole lot of great red, both, you know, English-style and American-style red ales hit the the fridges within about 10 days of each other, but I'm really (laughs) loving drinking yours at the moment. Very fond memories of Man on the Moon. I think at Gab's last year, I was sitting about halfway between the Goodland stall and the Dollar Bill stall, and um, that's where I first had Man on the Moon. And um, I guess you guys will be going back to Gab's this year? Yes, yeah, definitely. It's um, one of our favourite uh, beer events, um, only because it's one of those events that um, we found that us and a lot of friends and especially a lot of locals that look forward to that event that were first introduced to craft beer um, and different styles of beer and all that sort of thing. So it's always that great thing on the calendar. It might not be everyone's cup of tea, but it's one of those events that um, I think you can't argue that it doesn't that it brings in so many people into the craft beer segment. It might be that they are dragged along by mates and things like that. And, yeah, all right, there's all these different crazy, wacky beers that you might love or hate, but it just gets people into trying different things that they wouldn't normally try. So when they do go to a, a pub somewhere and they do see something different, they might be, you know, Shit, I might try that. So it's one of those things that we always love going to um, years and years ago when it first started. And, um, yeah, so it's we absolutely love going there and... Um, Going in with a theme too, so we've um, we've picked a new theme this year. Uh, yeah, to yeah go... can you give us a little bit of the uh, 
the, the clues on that one or is this yeah, of course, super of squeak, course. secret squirrel stuff? Nah, not super secret. We um, we want as many people to turn up as possible. We've got, um, so this year we're going in with a bit of a tiki, tiki bar theme. Yeah, so we've built all the bar and everything ourselves for the Melbourne side. Uh, I can't remember if you remember the, the bar that we had set up last time. Um, but yeah, we've built the whole thing ourselves from scratch. Um, had to get an engineer and signed off to, to match up <laughs> to the, to the, um, the Melbourne um, Royal Exhibition Centre guys there. So yeah, we had to get all that done. And um, yeah, beer-wise, we've got our Tiki Juice, which is uh, one we've just released, a hazy IPA, which was yeah, just went absolutely nuts in the tap room. Um, we've also just released a watermelon Mai Tai sour, melon palooza. So we'll have that there. We'll have our, um, we've got a couple of new releases that we're bringing along as well, uh, in that tiki sort of theme. And then our Gabs beer this year, we've brewed a, um, banana pina colada sour that we've called banana rama pina colada it is um what yeah, size so is the font to fit that on the can or is it <laughs> only on oh it's like double layered <laughs> we to, it just fit on but um yeah it is uh like a smoothie style sour um yeah just crazy it's that much fruit it's the most fruit we've ever put in a beer um and yeah we're hoping that people love it it's um yeah very 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 enjoyable beer that's for sure now, we should talk Good Beer Week as well. Knowing you've got quite a few events on, uh, on for, as part of that, um, and Pint of Origin as well. Let's do Pint of Origin first, eh? Where are you going to be for that, and uh, which of the beers will be coming down? Yeah, um, so Pint of Origin will be at uh, the Cherry Tree Hotel, always have the regional Victoria um, side of things. So this year, the Thursday, 18th of May, so it's just before Gab's. Um, it's a ticketed event and they're doing a, a set menu from Big Dog's Kitchen and then we'll have, I think we've got six beers on tap there. So yeah, right. um, we'll have Men on the Moon, Woman on Mars, um, who we spoke about earlier. And um, hopefully we've got a couple of the new releases, which um, they will be pretty much the first to have them on tap, even before our own tap room. So, yeah, which will be pretty exciting. Absolutely, and will you be down there so that people can come along and sure say will be. Yeah, it'll be uh, myself and Jesse will both be there. So um, yeah, I think it starts at six. But yeah, um, yeah, I think it starts at six. So we'll be there. We'll do a bit of a chat and talk about the beers. Um, and yeah, it should be a good night. Hopefully, absolutely, it sounds fantastic. And um, in terms of making sure that you get your driving kilometres up, you're also heading up to Dalesford as part of Good Beer Week. Yeah, Dalesford, we've got um, Rob Kabord's organised a um, uh, like a bit of a light lunch and um, at the Bar, bar Miranda, I think it's called. Um, yeah, beautiful bar, little bar there. Um, uh, yeah, Barons of Barrels, it's called. Yeah, I'm glad you. I, I'm glad you said it, said that because I even you know I'm on my third coffee of the day already here on a Monday morning here as we're recording, but even that's not enough to get the tongue twisters out of my mouth at the moment. He's especially, um, yeah, no, it, it's, um, it looks like he's put a really good um, lot of breweries together. There's Dollar Bill, Boat Rocker, Sailors and Us, um, and it's all barrel-aged or barrel-fermented beers that he's going to have have on there. Really sort of relaxed, tight, light lunch 
idea. Um, nothing too sort of formal, but um, yeah, that should be a good one. And again, we'll have a new release for that that we haven't um, we haven't released as of yet. Um, one that we've just pulled from barrels uh, when we pulled that last week. Um, they may have been X. Um, X rum barrels from Bricks Distillery in Sydney. We they may a, have been. They may have been that we had a pretty special beer in. So yeah, no, that, um, that 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 that'll be a really good event if you're into your barrels. Absolutely, I've got a vision of your brewery, mate, just being full of empty barrels by the end of the month. Is there going to be? be. It will be. We're trying to find more barrels at the moment because, um, yeah, the barrel wall that we have is slowly diminishing, and um, we need to, we need to replenish it. That's for sure. It, it is important to keep both sides of that equation going. I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're across that. You don't need my advice on that. The the other really fun one, the, perhaps the the highlight for Good Beer Week for you is going to be the beef beer and barley uh, in at Farmer's Daughter. Uh, can you tell us a little bit first of all for people who are listening in and don't know Farmer's Daughters? you know, where it is and what's, uh, what their plans are and then how all of that will fit together. That looks like a pretty magic night. Yeah. Um, so Farmers Daughters have been great supporters of us um, since we since we opened. Uh, they're a, a restaurant with CBD, multi-level. I think it's three levels, cafe, restaurant, beer garden, that sort of thing. Um, and it's really heavily focused on Gippsland produce, Gippsland wine, Gippsland beer, right in the centre of Melbourne, um, and they bring everything together really well. Like their kitchen is absolutely state of the art. Um, um, great chefs, great staff. Um, you know, everyone in there knows what they're talking about. They're, they're dedicated to to um, to their to their work and their job, and so they they just know what's happening. So we've they support a lot of other Gippsland breweries. So they've got a lot of different cans and taps and that sort of thing. And we're something that we talk to them early on in the year, actually, I think it was last year that, you know, this was coming up and would they be interested in doing something? And we sat down and concept that we come up with was um, let's do like a beer and um, food matching. But with the food this time, um, we supply, so all the spent grain that comes out of our brewery goes to one brewery in Flynn, which is um, only uh, five, six Ks down the road, um, um, and we spoke to the farmer and then we had a meeting with the chefs, the restaurant and everything like that. And what we're going to have is the beef that our spent grains are fed to, they're going to use those cattle, um, yeah, to create dishes at, um, at Victoria, which is a different restaurant in Fed Square, um, still run by Farmer's Daughters. Um, and we're going to do, yeah, like a night of food um, and beer matching with, yeah, with beef matching as well, I suppose you could call it that. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's less food matching than, than beef <laughs> matching, as you say. The sample yeah. menu, which is admittedly just the sample, they may have worked on this a bit since then, looks yeah. truly amazing, right through to um, to a special fudge at the end, which still has beef in it. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely uh, one that we're really, really looking forward to. I have sort of visions of the Homer Simpson episode where, you know, he, he decry, you know, he doesn't believe that bacon and ham and sausages all come from the one magical animal. Uh, I feel like it might be a bit the same walking out after that dinner that, you know, no animal could possibly have delivered all of these different flavours to the plate uh, during the dinner. Uh, yeah, they're, um, they're, the, the menu is going to be yeah, really insane. So I think at 
Um, there's only a few tickets left for that one too. I think it's nearly sold out, but um, yeah, have a look on there. We're actually looking at potentially opening up a few more tickets. So um, yeah, have a look on there. It's yeah, should be good. Yeah, absolutely. And again, just for, you know, I'm sure people over the last few episodes have heard me say this many times now, but the way to get the tickets is to jump onto the Good Beer uh, Week website. And if you're searching Goodland, all of the various Goodland events will come up and a few others that Goodland's not involved in. I'm not sure why that happens, but either way, the beef, beer and barley, or barley good land brewing uh, will come up and uh, that's Wednesday the 24th of May. So uh, for people, I know plenty of mates have taken the whole week off to do Good Beer Week. Um, make sure that that's part of your Wednesday plans. Um, Jimmy, for those who are wanting to uh, keep up to date with all of the Goodland gossip and news, where do they find you on the social media? And if they're driving down through Gippsland, tell them where they can find the brewery. So where, if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Goodland Beer, um, also, head over to our website, which is goodland.br. You can sign up for our newsletter. We All our brand new releases go on there, what we're up to, um, all that sort of thing. And then to, we're in Terrellgan, so two hours east of Melbourne, um, little tap room in the industrial estate. And, um, yeah, it's nice little, just a little cosy tap room, especially coming into winter. We've got the fire going and all that side of it too. So, um, yeah, come along and have some beers and say hi. I'm normally working on a Friday afternoon. So, um, yeah. That's the only day of the week, though, you work, isn't it? You just pop in for a couple of hours <laughs> on a Friday later. afternoon yeah. just so people don't forget your face. And other than that, you're off in the in the hammock just sort of gently relaxing. Oh, of course, yeah. That's all I do most of the time, just sit in the hammock. Yep. <laughs> well, mate, I wouldn't want to keep you away from that hammock. Um, we appreciate the time that you've put aside for us today. In all joking aside, you're one of the busiest blokes going around, so we appreciate the fact that you found a bit of time to be with us here in the cool room, and we look forward to seeing you at Gabs apart from anywhere else. Yeah, cheers, David. Thanks for having us on again. Well, we're continuing here with our Good Beer Week uh, spectacular, super special episodes up to episodes four and five now. Uh, hopefully you go back and check the archives, hear all of the great interviews, obviously designed to help you coordinate what is a huge week in the Victorian uh, brewing community, the Victorian craft beer sipping community, as we've got uh, a return of Good Beer Week Lots of good, fun things to enjoy. And speaking of returns, great to have Bridge Road uh, return to the Cool Room podcast. Uh, I feel like we've tried to set this episode up, uh, this record up a couple of times. We've uh, had some good, uh, we've had some good interludes along the way. Um, no mushroom foraging today, brother. No, no, definitely not. Uh, last week, yes, I, I missed my appointment. I don't think I said it in my diary, and I think it was triple book that day. But we had. Um... We had the crew from uh, Scratch Bar and Netherworld uh, down from Brisbane for a few days um, to work on a, a beer or a remake of a couple of beers we did with them many moons ago. Um, and one of those includes um, locally harvested, foraged uh, pine mushrooms. So we were out in the rain and it was freezing cold um, when I was supposed to be doing this and the phone reception wasn't good enough to do it in the car. So 
Um, did, you, did you find yeah. some mushrooms? That's the key. We right? found 80 kilo, kilograms of uh, pine mushrooms to put in the mash tun. So we found some mushrooms, yes. That's fantastic. That's about as big a haul as I've ever heard anyone getting on a single... Yeah, but there was there was 10 to 12 of us. Um, but, yeah, an hour, an hour and a half, and we had we had more than enough to, to, to do the job. And does that mean that there was pine mushrooms uh, for dinner that night as well? Uh, no, we didn't. We're, we're discussing they'll be on a pizza at the brewery here in Beechworth by the end of the week. Um, but to be honest, I haven't eaten them yet. Um, I'm, I'm uh, single parenting at the moment, so there's not much time for, for delicacies. It's more about um, bulk carb loading with the kids. I, I totally understand. The, uh, it's very rare that we move outside the cheese toasty. Uh, the idea that I'd slip a pine mushroom in there would only cause chaos, I think. <laughs> now, that probably gives us a little bit of an introduction. We, we should do the right thing. And for people who've gone, not gone back and checked the archives, I feel like it's about 18 months, almost two years since you were last on the show. So people should go back and check the archives. But let's do the, the really sort of brief introduction to Bridge Road Tell us about uh, where we find you. Tell us, for overseas listeners especially, what makes Bridge Road a special sort of part of, uh, of well, a special brewery in regional Victoria to visit. Yeah, so um, I guess I'm Ben Krauss, so I found her, founded um, Bridge Road Brewers uh, in, with my, my now wife, Maria, back in 2005. So this yeah. year will mark our 18th anniversary of brewing. Um, so the brewery uh, exists and was established in my hometown of Beechworth in, in Victoria's high country. Um, we go back to the early days, not certainly not the first craft brewers in Victoria, but the, the early days of craft brewing uh, in Australia and have continued to, I guess, slowly grow our, our business um, and grow our distribution and reach. Uh, over those 18 years, we've done lots of different beers with many different um, collaborators and on our own. Um, I mentioned before we were brewing a mushroom beer with uh, the guys from the Scratch and Netherworld. Um, that, that was that came on the back of a, a series of beers we did many years ago called the Bar Series, and we also did a series of beers called the Restaurant Series where we'd collaborate with restaurants and bars from around the country um, with special releases. Um, but that's just a small thing of the many things we've done over the years. And just, I guess, to orientate our overseas listeners, you know, when we're talking about bits of the high country there, we spoke to Bright again recently. There's a whole heap of breweries that uh, are now up in that part of the world. You have your own festivals, and uh, certainly it's a, it's a well worth a drive out of Melbourne, a couple of hours up the road, and you, uh, you can now do a full sort of craft brewery tour up there for a whole weekend, can't you? Yeah, we're about three hours north of Melbourne. Um, we started, I think, Australia's first uh, brewery trail back in the day, the High Country Brewery Trail. Um, we have, I'm going to guess there's eight breweries maybe on that trail at the moment. Um, but I guess they're a reasonable distance um, from one another uh, in terms of, of driving a vehicle around or getting around to them. Um, but, they're, but they're in reasonable high concentration per capita in this part of the world, so... Um, small population towns. Our, our town of Beechworth has around about 4,000 inhabitants. Um, there's two breweries in our town now. Um, Bright, which is 40 k's away, um, probably a similar population to Beechworth, and then and then scattered throughout the, the area. There's there's quite a number of um, of small regional craft breweries, I would say. 
And um, what are you enjoying drinking on tap up there at the moment? That's probably the, the highlight at this time of year as we start to move into these obviously colder months, particularly up your way. A few extra sort of yeah, special beers coming on? We've always got special beers coming out. We have 20 taps in the tap room here um, and constantly rotating. We've just uh, hosted uh, our 10th, maybe, uh, Harvest Festival, Hop Harvest Festival, maybe, sorry, not the 10th festival, but um, more than 10 releases of Wet Hop beers. So we just uh, have released our Dark Harvest, which was a collaboration with Firestone Walker from California, Mm. um, and our Hazy Harvest, which was a collaboration with uh, the Australian Brewery Fox Friday. Um, So they're tasting great. It's uh, with the cold weather, Dark Harvest is probably my go-to at the moment. Um, I'm all about enjoying those beers that won't be around for the rest of the year. Um, and we also created a beer on the back of that uh, festival. We had a, a technical symposium and we had a session involving some regener- regenerative farmers. So there was the Greenwoods who grow uh, malt for Voyager malt. So they grow barley for Voyager malt. Um, a local flower producer called Woodstock Flower who grew some spelt for us. And then um, Ryefield hops from Bombala in South New South Wales. Um, we use their hops um, to create a new beer, which will be released as regional refresher. But we also use that beer in combination with a, a bike event we just hosted last weekend. So we've gone from a hop festival to a bike festival <laughs> and about uh, 800 uh, participants in our bike event. And we released a beer with uh, with the guy who has a pretty big podcast called Life in the Peloton. His name is Mitch Docker. And um, we released that beer under his um, podcast name called Life in the Peloton. Um, based Shout on out to his... another podcast. We, don't, we won't consider that a rival podcast. We'll consider no, that a fellow traveller. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very well-known podcast and uh, he's a well-known identity and he loves beer and craft beer. So we said about coming up with a beer that um, represented regional Australia but also uh, looked back on, on his love for Belgian beer, which is where he, where he lived and raced and fell in love with beer um, when, he, when he was living in Belgium. Um, so we used to... A Belgian yeast strain, but from Bluestone Yeast in Melbourne, um, and created a beer in regional Australia using regional Australian ingredients and uh, a yeast that's you know locally uh, manufactured or locally propagated, which which isn't that common in Australia. Well, while we're doing our shout outs, we've uh, we always shout out to Derek from Bluestone Yeast, a big fan, and we know he listens in. So shout out to you, Derek, and. Um, for people who are in the city and not able to travel up the country, I can assure you that the Dark Harvest is on tap out at Carwin Cellars. I uh, enjoyed one myself on Saturday afternoon out there, and it really was tasting absolutely delicious. So um, a little treat if you're in that part of the world in Melbourne. Cool. And we've also got our um, pop-up bar, a bar made of cardboard uh, in, in East Brunswick, 129 Nicholson Street, and I'm sure Dark Harvest is boring there if anyone lives somewhere in that area. And our brew pub, uh, for those who don't know, we're um, building a brew pub uh, in East Brunswick Village, and construction from our end on that started last Monday. So um, hopefully brewing equipment should land in Australia on Friday uh, this week and hopefully on putting it in after judging for the... um, the Australian International Beer Awards is on next week, and uh, once that's done, I'll go down to, to East Brunswick Village and hopefully unload a truck of brewing equipment I if everything do, lines up. If I reckon if we had all of the diaries of brewers in Victoria open at the moment, 
I don't think there'd be eight hours of sleep between you all at the moment. Everyone's <laughs> got so many things going on. But that's super exciting about the brew pub. What's, is there a, dare I ask, is there a timeline of when you think the doors will open? And uh, I'd like to say September, August, September is, is timeline. So we should be open in September, open which is probably almost a year behind schedule. But uh, no surprises with scheduling uh, post-COVID. There's a lot of that going on at the moment. And, um, well, obviously enough with COVID, that was one of the reasons why we haven't had a proper good beer week for a couple of years. Um, we'll get on to your big event in a minute, but um, I guess the, the questions as well are, are you doing a pint of origin and where can we find you for that? Yeah, the, the um, Cherry Tree, one of our, um, our biggest supporters uh, over the years. Um, so it's an easy one for us. And normally Beachworth Parallel is always found at Cherry Tree, but I think... I think I saw they're pouring our, our bling as part of Pine of Origin. So for people who know our bling IPA um, or think they know it and haven't had it for a while, it's definitely worth trying. It's a, it's a lot different to um, to the bling of old. Um, I like to call out our firsts when we do something first in Australia, which we had quite a few, but also when we've been doing things in Australia for quite a while. I um, think I'm correct in saying bling is Australia's oldest uh, continually produced IPA. Um, so for listeners out there, if you can find one that's been in production um, continually longer than bling, let me know, but I'm pretty sure that is That's a great one. claim to fame. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but... I think it was... I, think I, had, I had a feeling that maybe Mountain Goat, but they stopped... They killed their IPA yeah. for a while, then bought it back, and then killed it and bought it back. But... Um, it certainly wasn't Victoria's first or Australia's first. Um, I think one of the there was a, a brewery, Jamison Brewery, released a beer way back uh, called The Beast, which was a big American IPA, um, and I think Bling followed on from that. But that beer disappeared. Made a made a a, a reshow recently. But our recipe of, of Bling has changed a lot, um, along with consumers and our own preferences over the years. Well, we love our beer nerds as in, in our listener base here. That's the kind of little challenge that will send them all scurrying down the, uh, down the rabbit hole. Uh, post, when we post this up on Facebook, make sure you, if you've got an answer, but I can't think of anything in my head over the last 20 years that has been around uh, for that sort of period of time without any breaks or, or anything like that. So that sounds absolutely right. Um, and in addition to Pint of Origin... Uh, what else have we got planned? I, I presume you'll be back at Gabs this year? Yes, we've been working on our Gabs release just today with um, a fun time of year for most brewers, fun and, and challenging at the same time because um, it's a bit of a, a race for the, for the weirdest and craziest concoction to go onto the container bars at Gabs. Um, so we've been working on a, on a two-part beer that has to be mixed um, all consumers on the spot. So do come and check that out. Um, two parts and two different colours um, and two very different flavour pro profiles. And fair to say, based on the sample I had today, one part is probably not drinkable without the other <laughs> and vice versa. So you would not want to drink one part on its own of either of the two. Um, that, that sounds like the kind of challenge that... Well, anyway, again, let's let's see what the listeners come up with if any of them try that. Um, so, yeah, keep, keep an eye out for that. Um, it'll, we have our own standard Gabs as well at all, um, at all Gabs locations in Australia, um, and that beer will be on at the container bars as well. So even if you don't pay us a visit, which we'd like you to do, um, you can find it in, in the tasting paddles. 
as well. And in terms of places to come and visit and to see you, the, the big one for Good Beer Week is going to be out at Horn, please, uh, the Bridge Road Brewers to Mumbai, the road to Mumbai. Um, what can we be expecting as part of that? Yeah, potentially one of the, I don't, I don't know what the price is there, but usually one of the best value events going around. Um, $85 according to the Good Beer website, yep. which of, uh, Good Beer Week website, which of course is where you can get your tickets. Yep. And all the, all the Indian fare that you could possibly eat. It's not all you can eat, but there's plenty of food. Um, a beer with every course. Um, a really good fun. It's a really good communal event. So go there with a group of 10 people and you'll be bound to have a good time. You could go there for a date, but, um, but that venue just really screams, um, good times for friends in a group. And that event we've been doing for, we keep repeating it. I don't know. I'm going. I just say eight years to everything because I'm old now and I can't remember, but um, <laughs> we've been doing that event for eight years. Yeah. Anything that started before COVID could be anywhere between five and 20 years as far as I know. Yeah, understand. exactly. There was a big uh, a big wormhole that, that uh, messed with everyone's memory in there. might have been the vaccine. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All, all the nanobots in your beer as well would be the other yeah. one. So we're talking $85. It's Monday the 22nd of May. Uh, five courses of food and, of course, expert matching of your beers. Um, that sounds like a really special and fun night. And um, you're going to be there yourself? Uh, I don't know. I think I'm in Melbourne from Sunday for judging until Friday for um, for putting brewing equipment into our site. Um, Saturday, taking the kids to the Dreamtime game at the G. And I probably need to get back to Beechworth, so I don't know if uh, if I will be there on Monday night. But if I am not, then uh, Dave O'Keefe, our, our big man with the big beard, who um, is probably a whole lot better at talking to an audience, will definitely be there running the show. So um, yeah, I mean, it'll be a good just, event. You know, particularly if you're at um, at Gabs and you see a bloke with a beard, don't automatically suppose that that's Dave. There might be more than no. one beard in the craft beer scene at, uh, in Melbourne. He, he won't be the, the only big guy with a beard either. <laughs> Look, mate, I really appreciate the fact that you've found the time today to come on the show. For people who want to keep up to date with the Bridge Road story, what are the socials that people should be finding? Oh, it's pretty straightforward. Bridge Road Brewers... Um, at Bridge Road Brewers for Facebook and uh, and for Instagram. Um, I don't think we're there on Snapchat or TikTok yet, but uh, those two places you'll find us. It's, it's an easy it's an easy search, easy to find us. I, I think I think Burnley is the only one that actually does have the TikTok, but that's a, that's a bit of an insight into both Burnley and the world of TikTok. I think so. We'll uh, we won't encourage any more brewers to go down that road. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be very normal uh, in the future. Um, we've just got a handful with, with the other things at the moment. No, that's more than fine, and we don't want the Chinese government stealing all of your brewing uh, secrets or managing to put more nanobots in or whatever else is, uh, is is alleged through those awful TikTok systems. Yeah, we'll assume they did make all the hardware in this laptop I'm talking on at the moment. As well. Yeah, <laughs> or half the brewing <laughs> equipment that's imported into the country either. <laughs> yeah. um, ben, thank you so much for finding the time to come on the show, mate. We look forward to seeing you during Good Beer Week and at Gabs and at all sorts of other places. And most excitingly, uh, go out there, visit the cardboard uh, pop-up and then make sure that you've got some time set aside in August, September, all things crossed to visit Bridge Road in their new establishment in Melbourne. Cool, thanks so much. Well, 
here we are. We're continuing with our Good Beer Week, a super spectacular. Uh, we're having some excellent revisits from old friends who've been on the show before. Uh, an example of that, a great example of that, uh, is welcoming back Wolf of the Willows, previously on uh, for episode 145 of The Cool Room. Go back and check out the archives if you want to know more about Wolf of the Willows. Um, a really great conversation that night. Uh, but right now, I'm being joined by Scott. And Scott, you're out on the road with your Wolf of the Willows hat on. Uh, yes, David. First of all, thanks for having me on. And uh, yes, now I'm out on the road doing a little high country sales trip at the moment. So, in a lovely part of the world, beautiful mountains, a little bit uh, foggy, a little bit rainy, but still yeah, stunning. The, uh, now, some of our overseas listeners who, who learn all of their Australian geography through us, for better or worse, may not be 100% familiar with the high country. I guess we've had uh, Bright Brewery on again a couple of episodes ago, but just give them a bit of a feel for whereabouts you are and a pretty special day where you were today. Well, I think probably a good reference for those uh, international listeners would be maybe going back into the film archives and watching The Man from Snowy River (laughs) (laughs) to to really get a bit of a feel for the Australiana high country vibe, but no, where basically refers to the area from, I suppose, uh, Mansfield and all through Mount Buller, up into Bright, as you mentioned before, uh, through to Hotham, Falls Creek, and across, uh, well, basically all the way up into Threadbow and Mount Kosciuszko. It's a huge area, uh, and yeah, quite um, spectacular in terms of Aussie mountains, in inverted commas. <laughs> yes, we shouldn't... Uh, for all of our listeners, we always laugh about the fact that we have listeners over in, you know, the Finland and Norway and so forth. We shouldn't get their hopes up too much in terms of what a, Australia's highest mountain, Kosciuszko, would look like compared to what they have tucked away behind them. No, definitely not. I think uh, mountains is quite a loose term to be applied to the... Um uh, big hills that we have uh, really here in Australia compared to some of our uh, overseas uh, uh, compatriots. But having said that, there was snow falling today. Yeah, we, uh, as I was driving off Falls Creek, uh, pretty wet, sleety snow, but the, uh, it's come a couple of weeks earlier than uh, probably expected, but a good Hopefully a good sign for the upcoming snow season in, uh, in winter. And you, uh, you don't mind getting up there amongst the mountains yourself? Uh, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd love to spend a lot more time up here if I could, but no, I think it's um, yeah, fresh air and uh, it's just a, a different uh, walk of life. So um, I'm, I am very jealous of other breweries like uh, Bright and obviously... Um, um, Bridge Road and the like that are this close to uh, the, the landscape up here. We'll we'll talk more about where Wolf of the Willows lurks physically more often in a minute, but um, I guess it's worth saying and pointing out that you do have a few skiing, snow, mountain-themed beers. Yeah, yeah, we've tried to kind of shout out to kind of the snow culture. Uh, through some of the beers that we've done, uh, the 
I think the greater sort of snow industry slash snow culture is got a lot of similarities to kind of craft beer in a brewing culture, just in terms of attracting people for the kind of passion for why they want to be there, not uh, necessarily uh, being there just because it's a job or something to put food on the table. And, you know, people um, in both industries make a lot of sacrifices to kind of follow that passion as well. So, yeah, you generally rub shoulders with um, people that, you know, think think about or view the world in a similar way. Look, that's a really good way of putting it, and I think gives us already a bit of a feel for what the brewery's all about. For, for those who haven't had time to listen back to the previous episode, what's the sort of potted history of Wolf of the Willows? Well, David, we, we're big believers in... Uh, how would I put it? Treading as lightly as we can in the world, and that can be across, you know environmental, it could be socially. Um, we really want to make sure that we create the best possible products that we can, but without that being at the expense of something else, whether that be another person or that being the planet. And uh, hence, we have, uh, we started uh, family owned and operated and have continued um, eight years later to be so. Uh, <laughs> even through the ups and downs of that um, our cause, particularly during a few darker years that uh, I won't, we won't mention. But uh, uh, yeah, so we we're very big on just trying to create uh, that sort of culture that I mentioned about the uh, the brewing and the snow industries, and exemplifying that in our, I suppose, business in inverted commas. And um, it's a fantastic history that you've you've put together. You've now got a tap room and all of those sorts of things. Where do people find you physically? So we have our production brewery and tap room in uh, Morty Alex, so Bayside, Melbourne. And we chose that area simply because it's uh, got a... I suppose it's got a, in inverted commas, a, a demographic that really suits what we're about. Um, laid back... Uh, still hard-working and very supportive of uh, their local businesses and local community. And on that note, we're lucky enough to work with a, a bunch of really awesome community groups across, you know, sort of sporting organisations right through to, you know, kindergartens and preschools and, um, yeah, really sort of harmonious type of uh, um, interactions and, and um, I suppose, uh, relationships with... Uh, those people around Morty Alec and Bayside, Melbourne as well. And what are you enjoying out at the tap room at the moment? What's the what's your personal favourite couple of things that people could be experiencing when they go out there? So we, we made an effort a couple of years ago with um, the head brewer who came on, uh, Josh Kendall. And so through my... Uh, clenched white knuckled hands he was able to drag the head brewer roll away from me and uh, it, it came by him basically um, demonstrating uh, above and beyond that he was um, more capable than I was to create uh, the beers that as a brewery we wanted to produce and 
Uh, a great example of that, to answer your question, is the IPAs that we've been putting out over the last probably 18 months um, across both the West Coast and the, the Haiti styles and um, unequivocally, yeah, just very well technically brewed uh, beers and the sensory characteristics that they uh, produce are incredible. You're and right. so... Um, uh, when I'm not actually driving home from the brewery, they're definitely the ones that I uh, gravitate towards at the moment. Uh, it goes without saying, of course, that uh, you, you are not drinking while you're driving through the mountains of Australia. I'm far too sensible for that. No, 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 no just uh, a few tastings up here, but no driving after that, David, of course. So. Good, good man. Um, the... Uh, the, the big question, what we're here to talk about, obviously enough, is the fact that as part of Good Beer Week, you're going to be participating in an event at Norton's. Yes, so uh, that event uh, and also the relationship with Norton's is probably a great reflection of some of the things that we've touched upon in this conversation, whereby uh, Norton's are uh, a long-term partner where before that even opened the pub after renovating or during the renovation, um, you know, we became basically good mates with everywhere from the, the owners, the front of house staff, through to the kitchen staff, and that relationship has um, grown and, and, and continued um, over the last sort of six years. And the reason for that is that there's a kind of healthy respect for what each party does and the manner in which they do it and some of those ideals that I touched upon earlier uh, Norton's very much uh, exemplify uh, in a quiet manner in terms of their actions speak louder than words so for example the the actual dinner that we're doing with Norton's is um, the classic but legitimate um uh, nose-to-tail type of methodology whereby uh, as many products within both the brewing process and also the uh, food, and when I say food, whether that be um, vegetables or uh, protein or meat-based products, are using as many of the components in those processes as possible and cross-pollinating each as well. So, you know, for example, with the um, free-range organic pork that will be served on the evening that has been uh, fed up with spent grain from our brewing process, which um, is not as easy <laughs> as it sounds due to transport, but uh, uh, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, the uh, head chef, uh, Ryan has actually been harvesting yeast from our brewing process and I'm sure, well, at least your Australian listeners would be pretty uh, familiar with the Aussie icon that comes from brewer's yeast, uh, that being Vegemite. I think this is fascinating. So this is the first course. So and just to sort of give people a bit of a spoiler, I think I'm right in saying there's there's four courses. So we have yeast, grain, hops and water, and the first course is based around this, this yeast Vegemite that you've been making. Correct. And, um, and the manner in which it's being served, like obviously 
job and what, what uh, Ryan and his uh, team are doing it is actually swirling it through butter that will be uh, uh, served with uh, the bread that will be also contained brewer's grain as well. So uh, quite, a, quite an incredible sensory experience, really. It sounds amazing. It sounds all the way through. Uh, as you say, you've already mentioned the pork belly, but you've, you haven't touched on the, the grain course, which is the black pudding as well. This sounds just chef's kiss for me. Well, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the black pudding, um, and this is where the, the true experimentation comes into it, weird. Uh, we were able to secure dried hop cones, which uh, will be used in uh, part of the sauce for the, the black pudding, which if anyone has ever cooked with beer, uh, they may be familiar that uh, as you heat beer and you use it in cooking, it becomes even more bitter, mm. which is, you know, I'm, for, I'm sure all the homebrewers out there and uh, pointy and beer aficionados will know why. Um, but it, 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 it reflects how we use hops in the brewing process for heating them up and uh, providing a bitterness and a balance to the beers. And this is where the real skill of the chef involved comes into it because it is a fine line to walk between uh, bitterness that is over the top, overpowering, and I'm sure we've all had a few big IPAs that have probably gone into that field before. Yep. Uh, versus providing that beautiful balance um, with sweetness um, that will come from um, parts of it, uh, obviously the, the actual black pudding that is being created as well. So um, overall, again, linking uh, what we do in brewing or attempt to do in brewing, which is create that, that balance I spoke of and doing that in a culinary fashion as well. It sounds like a really special meal. As you've touched on, the guys at uh, Norton's are absolutely fantastic. They used to come and drink at my bar in Kensington back in the day that they were plotting what they were going to do to Norton's, and it's great to see that their dream has become a reality because um, it's, a, it's a really special and important pub in Melbourne. No, I agree. Just on that note, like, there's a lot of... Um, this is a little personal... Uh, I suppose interest slash passion, but the the lost arts and as human beings, I think we've, we've really started to move away from creating things with our hands and to see what Nortons do, which you know pickling their own vegetables and you know buying whole animals and cutting them up themselves. I know it sounds a little bit morbid, but it's a much better way to create food because we all understand and then understand where that food comes from and reduces wastage, packaging, all those little one percenters that do add up to, again, and I, I circle back to it, reducing the kind of footprint that we have or the effect that we all have on the environment but also other human beings and also animals and uh, other living creatures as well. And as I said, you know, Actions speak louder than words, and they definitely exemplify that. Absolutely right. It's a great venue. It's going to be a fantastic night on Saturday, the 27th of May. 
Tickets are available on the Good Beer Week website, of course, so you can go along and find out more uh, about the event and grab your tickets there. Uh, most importantly, mate, for people who want to follow the Wolf of the Willows story, whereabouts do they follow you on the social media? Fantastic way to stay involved. Um, Scott, look, thank you for making the time. It's obviously a hugely busy time of the year. And um, drive safely, brother. Oh, thank you, David. Thank you for your time. And, yeah, I hope to see uh, a few of your listeners at the Norton Center. It uh, genuinely is one to remember and, uh, yeah, pretty special experience. I'm sure you will, mate. And we, are we going to see you at Gabs as well or are you taking a, a leave off Gabs this year? No, uh, we... we... We've actually, uh, we haven't uh, booked in for Gabs this year. We're doing uh, a few little things at the taproom around that uh, time period and uh, we want to focus on supporting our other venues like Norton's that we're doing our events with because it, uh, it's a pretty exhausting time <laughs> and uh, there's only so much fuel in the tank. So, uh, yeah, we, we definitely want to turn up to those events with uh, the energy and uh, enthusiasm that's, uh, you know, give it to the punters. Great answer, and it just adds to the point that if people want to see you, it's going to be at Norton's. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for making the time to be on the show today. Uh, thank you for having me, David. Really appreciate it. Well, we're here for our second part of our excellent episode here with Urban Alley. Uh, if for some reason you've stumbled on episode 176 of The Cool Room and you haven't listened to episode 175, Go back and check that out. Therefore, you will get the uh, the beginnings of our conversation with Urban Alley and you'll get the guys introducing each other, which will avoid, most importantly, Mitchell using all of his best lines for the third time. Um, guys, loving the first part of the interview. Lots of insights, lots of interesting ideas. Here we're sitting around now with the Moonbeam Hazy IPA in front of us. Um, introduce us to what we should be experiencing in this glass. Well, some breweries are blessed to have... <laughs> no, 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 not again, not again. He's <laughs> a one-trick pony. <laughs> it's, a, it's appearing but, that way. But what a trick. What a great trick. It's a, it was a nice trick when it's in my uh, favour. <laughs> Sorry, Doug, you handle this question. Um, take us, yeah, take right. us through, so, Doug, from how it appears in the glass, the yeah. full stick again, if you will. Moonbeam. So the, we canned this one last Tuesday. So it's fresh as. Mm. Was it Monday? Yeah, Monday. Um, I've actually, this one's sort of been evolving to me with time, I feel like in the tank, I was getting a lot of like freshly crushed citrus and like a sort of berry note, which I was quite liking. Um, 
but in the glass it's a bit more rounded to me now like more like a cantaloupe sort of flavor um for the australians listening that's cantaloupe <laughs> I, I can't tell if that's new zealand or the new york that'd be american i think because we reference that fruit and can't say its name again a lot in terms of beer um, I, I get. So, I genuinely do get the cantaloupe for what it's worth. Um, great, there you go. Um, so yeah, pretty standard hazy grist for us. Very high on the malted wheat and flaked oats. Some malted oats as well. Um, a bit of chit malt um, for head retention. A bit of dextrin malt for boosted body and sweetness. Um, we used Verdant IPA yeast, which is Lalaman Brewing Co.'s uh, dried version of the 1318 or London 3, which is sort of the iconic hazy yeast. Um, it's not like the most hazy hazy you've seen. No, I agree. Um, I, I like a really hazy hazy, but I definitely don't like the murky ones. Like I... I'm always impressed by a brewery when I can drink one of their IPAs and there's not like a full centimetre of sludge in the bottom. I'm like, I've done well, you know. Um, it's something that I enjoy. So we give like give our IPAs a decent amount of conditioning time, so it's full, full 14 days um, at cellar temp and then cold for five-ish days. Uh, I know some people can do the whole thing in 14 days. Um, I just like it to get a little bit more time explain for a you know for newer both craft beer drinkers and home brewers what that length of time actually does because it's one of those things that sometimes we hear brewers refer to but literally how would that have changed the beer over the time that's been sitting there absolutely i mean so <clears throat> my biggest thing well, there's probably two big things for me for um the warm conditioning time you know just the fermentation time um, is avoiding diacetyl and avoiding hop creep. Um, so there's 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 a couple of phrases we need to unpack. Yeah. So diacetyl or VDK, um, probably the most common off flavor in beer, especially um, in hazies, can be pretty prevalent. Um, just a butterscotch sort of flavor, um, mainly just due to not leaving uh, the beer to condition warm for long enough. And it is one of those things that doesn't make any sense until you taste it. And then one yeah, day when someone points going, it out, then you're like, oh, it's so obvious. Yep. Uh, and then hop creep is the phenomenon of adding hops to the fermenter, dry hopping the beer, where the there's an enzyme in the hop pellets that can release some of the sugars that are still present in the beer and the beer can ferment more than it already had. So your beer's going to dry out more, which you don't really want in your hazies because you want a good amount of residual sweetness. Um, so when you dry hop the crap out of it and then it dries out, you just get a bit bummed out. You don't want your beer to be super dry. You want to have a bit, bit more sweetness, be a bit more lush. And is there any way of knowing how that will happen? Like, again, you know, from a home brewer's point of view, is it just, you know, put the hops in, cross fingers, hope for luck? Or, you know... Um, well, the biggest thing I've been experimenting with is just the day you dry hop on as well as the temperature. 
Um, so a big trend for hazies was dry hopping super early in fermentation um, to garner some biotransformation, mm. another word, which is effectively the yeast interacting with the hops and giving you like bonus flavor. Um, the the thing with that is because the fermentation is so active, then it can really lead to a lot of hop creep. Now, it's great to hear that someone in the background there is having, well, there we go. That's, that's solved that problem. <laughs> uh, shout out to, a uh, shout out to Custard. I think we can name, we can name names on this one. You know, it's, we love having our listeners live with us on a Thursday night. It means that people can ask questions. We'll be having that very soon. Uh, it also means that we can hear what's happening in the AFL football uh, behind us as our listeners, uh, as our it's listeners important. and viewers take care of all of their Thursday night needs. Um, this beer, as you say, not super hazy by uh, by sort of modern Australian standards. Mitchell, when you're out on the road selling this to people, what do people expect when they hear the word hazy and is this what they're looking for? Or Look, I think the way that we've approached our IPAs Every well, we do IPAs very regularly. We do small batch IPAs and consistently different. Uh, so a lot of my regular clients have gotten used to every IPA we do will be slightly different. So when when I say a hazy IPA, because there's because we do so many different hazy IPAs over the course of a, a twelve month period, there's always variation to it. So they usually people will expect more tropical flavors more of your kind of oranges, pineapples, citrus kind of flavours. Um, but, yeah, as I say, because we do multiple hazy IPAs in a given 12-month period, uh, there's always kind of people will try and avoid having too many set uh, thoughts and feelings before they try it. I've got most of my my clients will, will feel they'll get a little bit of an idea from what style it is, but then they just like to drink it and see what see what it tastes like. I think this one's interesting, and I guess we'll talk more about labelling and what you present on the can in a minute, but there's no reference there to hops in particular. There's no reference there to, to that sort of long list that Dove just ran us through. Is there a reason why you choose not to put those things on the can? Some breweries love to list them all. Some breweries choose we to do, list them We do have a little write-up around the side here. I, I saw the write-up, but am I... It, it, it oh, lists, no, you're right. It's my bad... It's my bad my bad eyesight that didn't pick up on the Simcoe in there. It was a very little, little write-up. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a big thing that I'm super big on with is just listing the hops on the can just because I know if you're, a, you know, if you're a discerning IPA drinker and you're trying to differentiate between all these citra mosaic, citra mosaic, citra mosaic, and someone has one which has a little point of difference, you might be inclined to go for that. And is there something that Simcoe particularly brings to the party when we're talking about <clears throat> what we're experiencing in our mouths? Yeah, I'm a really big fan of Simcoe, and this is Simcoe Cryo, the, you know, slightly intensified version. Um, I just think it gives off, like, an amazing peachy sort of flavour. And I know Simcoe had a bad year a few years ago. There was a bad crop which put a lot of people off it. It was too catty. It was too dank. Um, And I think that just hasn't been the case for ages, and some people are still a little bit scared of it, but I think it's a beautiful accent hop. Is there um, is there a reason that that happened that year? I mean, I actually haven't sort of heard that story before, so it's always fascinating to hear that 
particular years have particular outcomes for hops? Is that with the Australian crop in particular? Um, that would, with the US crop, that would be. So um, I don't actually know what happened there or why it was bad. I I heard about it because I think it was I think it was mid twenty tens or something, sort of before I was really brewing commercially. Well, it could have been late twenty tens when I was, but we weren't using it much or something like that. Um, but yeah, you know, weather is probably the biggest biggest thing. I know Europe had really bad weather for this crop year. Um, so European varieties are going to be harder to come by and more expensive. It's it's a fascinating sort of thing, but, you know, so many people who experience beer and enjoy beer don't realise that it's still a natural product and, you know, the result of farming. Very agricultural, yeah. That's right. It happens out in a field, whether that field is in Australia, New Zealand, you know, America, Europe, it's still very much based in that. That's one of those things which I guess is a, a real factor in the economic sort of part of how beer works as well, that grain prices go up. And um, grain prices go up. It's Indeed. also the thing that makes uh, the consistency with which, like any brewery, when you particularly with a core range, trying to keep your beers consistent in flavour when you have those ups and downs in grain and, and malt and, and yeast and whatever, uh, that I think, and I'm going to talk them up again because that's half my job, but uh, our brewers have done consistently well the whole time I've been around. Uh, every single brewer we've had through has been really good at keeping, adjusting to adjusting to keep flavours really consistent. That you can try the Urban Ale now and it tastes much the same as the Urban Ale did three years ago. And this, I was going to, we always ask a question about the brewers that have tap rooms or venues in your case, you know, how important that feedback is. If you start to get feedback that it doesn't taste the same way, how does that feedback come back and what do you do in light of that? And I guess if the recipe's evolved, are you happy for it to evolve and you don't mind so much what's happening in the tap room, or is it important to sort of keep responding to what people are expecting from your beers? Well, I guess feedback from the tap room is the fastest way that feedback gets to us. Uh, if If I have a client a bottle shop who's sold a four pack to someone or a six pack to someone and they've drunk it and come back to them and gone, Hey, something was different to usual. And then they've come back to me and then I've come back to Dove. That's quite a long journey. Whereas if someone in the pub is going, Hey, that doesn't taste right. It's the fastest form of feedback, which is really handy for us. Uh, as to how we adapt to it, I'll, I'll leave that one to, to Dove to handle. Um. Yeah, I mean, a big example is I have been changing grain supplies a little bit recently, just with all the recent price rises, trying to find a happy medium. Um, We're really lucky in that hop growers sort of plan things so far in advance because they need to get their crops to yield well by the time they're commercially producing that. Um, That hop growers, well, outside of Europe, like I just said, have been doing really well at producing and the demand is still there, but not increasing at the rate that it once was. So, you know, popular American varieties, popular Australian varieties that once not too long ago were like super hard to come by now are available on the spot market at, um, you know, a reasonable price. That's like basically the, the one blessing in the uh, price rise game that we're currently having. 
we we heard from some breweries recently that they're ordering their hops two or three years out. Um, <clears throat> a, is that a common thing? Is that something you look at, or do you sort of mix that spot market and just a, a core buy through sort of the futures? I guess for what a better term. Yeah, I think that would be a size thing, size and core range thing. You know, if your if your core range heavily depends on something, um, then doing it two and three years in advance is really smart, especially if you're a larger brewery. We're sort of just small enough that we have the ability to just get by with the hops that we have. We do contract for one year um, at a time. Um, a, a hop that we use in two core range beers is cashmere. Mm-hmm. Slightly like lesser used hop, but um, one that re- we really love. And that's a really big part of our pale ale and our mid-strength pale. So we have to contract a good chunk of that every year just to make sure that those are going to stay the same. That makes sense. Now, look, I missed a question, which is normally our sort of traditional question in the first half of the show back in episode 175, which is, uh, Doug, for you, what's your favourite toy, by which I mean your favourite piece of machinery in the brewery? We we love sort of getting down to the nerdistry level with uh, with our brewers. Is there something in there that always feels special when you get to use it? <laughs> Probably the thing that brings me the most joy is... Um... A pretty silly one. We bottled our first barrel-aged sour last year. Yep. And I decided to buy, just from Grain and Grape, the homebrew store very near us, um, a bottle tree to leave your bottles draining on, as well as a bottle rinser that connects to the top of the tree. And it's incredibly simple. It's all made of plastic. It's like spring-loaded you know, it's, it's also effectively for home brewing if you want to buy one. <laughs> but every time we use it, I'm just like, wow, this thing's so good. That's a very cute, I'm going to say very cute answer. I, I get it because just sometimes the right the right gadget at the right time. Yeah, and our bottling setup is very lo-fi. Like, you know, we're, we're a can brewery. We mainly do cans. So when we're bottling, it's you know, a lot of duct tape and cable ties sort of situation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, unfortunately for me, my favourite toy in the brewery has has just resigned and, and quit. Uh, uh, he's gone back to back to Geelong. Uh, Chris, who was one of our brewers, he was my favourite toy in the brewery. You see, this is this is what I, I, I said. I think I said seven forty nine, didn't I? But we've got to seven fifty six. <laughs> we'll come back to those earlier questions we we're going to ask in episode. There's every chance he'll hear this, and I'll get a text in a couple of weeks uh, telling yeah. me what a dickhead I am. <laughs> Oh, well, we're not going to editorialise on that. What I will say is, Dub, is there a bit of machinery you don't have in there? Is there a little sort of toy that you'd love to have in the brewery just that will make a difference when you're doing things? The thing that comes to mind is a, is a pretty big toy. I'd, you know, if we could find room for a propagation tank, that would be a real boon to us. Um, just this, you know, that's boring accounting stuff to a degree, but brings the price of yeast down in your production just by a crazy amount. And how feasible is that kind of thing? And would you require more staff? I mean, explain to people what it means to use one of those in a a commercial brewery. Um, Yeah, well, so space is our main limitation, um, but staffing's probably the next limitation. Yeah, it definitely requires more staffing to keep the yeast happy and healthy and alive and at the right time for the right brews and all that stuff. 
so yeah, it's it's a tough one. Mm. We've got a couple more questions before we kick over into audience question land. Um, but look, one of the things that we, we love to talk about here is can design and the way that the beer is presented, particularly in can form. And it feels like we're going through a bit of a transition here at Urban Alley, or am I making that up? Because the the Moonbeam uh, and the Alley Dangler were gone from a from a paper on mm. can on one to a printed can. Mitchell, t- talk us through how these different beers are being presented uh, in the can form. Well, the first thing I have to do is give all of the credit for the design of the cans of our beers to Bruno, uh, who's our phenomenal graphic designer who will take whatever stupid names Dove and I come up with and come up with a can design that somehow makes it look really cool. And then we'll adapt to me and a few of the other staff going, Oh, what if we change that color to slightly more blue or can you do this? Or can you do this? Uh, who is enormously patient and skilled. Uh, and I guess part of the transition, we've, we've transitioned a few times in terms of our design. Uh, it was a couple of years ago where we just had a thin sticker around the middle of the can for our, our limited beers. And then the start of last year, we managed to to talk the boss into letting us do the full can stickers to have a little bit more fun design to it, uh, which you, know, you can see some of the old beers on our, our website. It's got a few of the archives there. Uh, and then the, the, over the last 12 months, the beer, our can design's gotten a little more bold and a little more interesting as we sort of push the envelope and see how fun we can get because i i personally believe i say believe it's as far as i see it it's the way the world works that people shop with their eyes long before they shop with their tongues Uh, so if we can have a beer on a shelf that looks great and that catches attention and has a name that gets people interested that's half the battle uh so one of the things i've been really pushing is design on the cans that grab your attention uh that give you a reason to buy the beer um, and then recently, yeah, as as you pointed out, the Moonbeam is a a printed can, which is a a thing that we're trialling to see whether it's whether it's going to help us both uh, fiscally and in terms of sales. Uh, it's an attempt. I think it's I think it's worked really well. We'll play around with it a little bit more. I think our next beer is going back to some of the stickers, and then it's a, a slow transition, but we'll see how we go. It definitely comes down to some of my stuff of accounting and price versus how nice it looks and how much packing material you have to use up and you know it's the the constant struggle between uh the finances and the design and the sales all trying to get the thing Mm -hmm. that we want front and center the digitally printed can looks great though yeah, and, and we is this also that. one of those sort of questions about how your physical space works? Because I presume to get a run of the Moonbeam cans, I mean, compared to the Alley Dangler, the the paper label, for want of a better term, all of those things sit in rolls and you can have a whole heap of black cans sitting up somewhere. Whereas with the Moonbeam, somewhere you've got to store all of these empty cans until you do the run. Is that kind of how it works or is it a well, just-in-time delivery system? No, it it, well, this brings us to the Duopoly, that is the two mobile canning companies in Victoria. I love Duopolies almost as much as I love oligopolies. <laughs> so um, it really boils down to East Coast Canning have invested in digital printing. Um, you can get a smaller run of cans digitally printed. Um, and PacCan have invested in a can labeler. 
which applies the stickers for you while you're packing off. Um, and effectively it's, you know, it's dictated by what canning company you're using or which media you'd prefer. I had not genuinely, I had not realized that it was as clear cut as that now, because it's not that long ago that it was a bit more sort of complicated even than that. Yeah, it's quite simple in a weird way. Absolutely. And both great companies. Obviously, we've used both. We've worked with them both, and they're all awesome. Now, we're going to move on to our traditional cool room question here. I don't think we asked this as such when we were at Williamstown. Um, funny, you guys have been the other way around compared to how we nearly always do our first uh, podcasts with a new brewery. I think when we were at Williamstown, we were talking about your weirdest festival experience, uh, and that could have been a a beer festival, it could have just been a festival in general. Here today, we're talking cool rooms. We're talking those sort of behind-the-scenes things that you see in breweries, um, particularly for Mitchell. Let's not use the same story that we used last time, uh, but can you perhaps give us a couple of those little behind-the-scenes things we love to hear when things didn't or did work out in ways that you didn't expect when the process started? Uh, well, in terms of uh, in terms of our cool room, the the biggest challenge that I have to deal with, which happens every time we do a canning day, is it'll be the following morning when I go into the cool room to get some stuff off my sample shelf, and I have to scale up three pallets worth of kegs across and then down uh, because we're waiting for someone to come and pick up the kegs for the warehouse. Now, uh, now I spend a bit of time nice with people from WorkSafe. Uh, actually, can we edit that part out? <laughs> That never happens. No, I'm I'm very uh, responsible in my my uh, movements. Do we want to know more details of where and how that happens, or is that sort of sufficient? For, uh, even we'll edit all of this out clearly. It's the uh, regular problem that we have uh, not enough space in our cool room for the amount of beer that we want to make, and sometimes that involves some creative positioning of things that makes it difficult. I'm not the slimmest man there has ever been. Uh, and I have to often ask Dove to just leave a little bit more space between the pallets so that it's a Mitchell-sized gap, not a Dove-sized gap. We do a very good job of organising the core room. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and you deny all responsibility for all those things we're about to edit out. Um, I suppose I'm, I might flip this one around. The strangest thing in the cold room has probably been me. Uh <laughs> In New York, when it was like, you know, 40 degrees outside and incredibly humid and we were brewing and there was just steam everywhere, it was very hot. So you bring a second change of clothes. Brewery I was working at didn't have a changing room. There was like, there were two toilets. One was quite small. So I would just get changed in the cold room. It's great. You cool down while you're putting your slightly cooler clothes on and by the time you come out, you're feeling great. But I always would have co-workers coming in there and I'd just be standing in the cold room in my underwear and they would just be, you know, slightly flummoxed. <laughs> uh, I, have, I have spent many an Australian summer uh, working in hospo on my break, having my break in the cool room. Because yeah, that's the, kind, that's, what, that's the kind of story we expect rather than the thing we've got to edit out. <laughs> and the weird bit is that by the time I've edited it out, it's going to sound even worse than what it actually was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that was, that was the, uh, the old hospital trick of when it's too hot, you go and sit in the cool room, and when it's too cold, you go and sit in the kitchen. 
this this was always the bit for me in hospo was when you got to a certain point in the pecking order, you could be the one, like in the middle of winter, you could send other staff into the cool room. Oh, and then yeah. in summer, you'd go, ah, don't worry, kids, I'll go out and take care yeah. of what's happening in the cool room. Well, I used to have, I, I occasionally, when I was bartending, it happened more often, I would have panic attacks, uh, have anxiety attacks. And I used to find that going into the cool room would like, just my body would react to the cool room and I could get everything else under control. So that's a little handy tip for anyone who has panic attacks is go into a cool room. It's sometimes it's just nice to get genuinely to go into a, a quiet space, a little bit of white noise. You know, there's Absolutely. a lot of merit in that. And a physical environment that forces the body to slow down. I found a few crickets in our cool room recently, but I hear that's been pretty commonplace. In that particular cool room or just cool rooms in general? Either way, what I, what I, what the question I really want to ask out of your story is, did you store your clothes in the cool room in summer before you put them on? Or? No, but that would have been much smarter. I should have done that. So, we did have lockers, even if we didn't have change rooms. So there's, there's the little insight that we're going to give uh, <laughs> you friends of the cool room podcast. If you're, uh, if you're working in hospo, you're working in summer, particularly in those Sydney or Melbourne steamy hot days, when you bring your change of clothes in, just drop them in the cool room to begin with. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Much easier. Guys, you've been so generous with your time tonight. Uh, we're going to wrap up the recorded end of things right here, right now. Um, remind us, please, where we can find the venues where we can come and experience Urban Alley beers live in the flesh, and then also the socials, if you would. Uh, so, yeah, three venues, uh, Urban Alley District Docklands, uh, Urban Alley Knox Ozone, uh, and Urban Alley Chadston, the Fashion Capital, or sorry, I should say UA Brewing Co. Uh, at Chadston, the Fashion Capital. Uh, we also do uh, nationwide home delivery, so you can head to our website, so urbanalley.com.au. We have an online store. Any of the beers we've talked about here or any of beers upcoming uh, will all be available on our website for, for delivery. Uh, and and you'll um, also find us on uh, on socials at, uh, at Urban, Alley Bre- uh, Urban Alley Brewery. And I feel like we've somehow gone through two hours of podcasting without a single trombone story. Uh, Mitchell, I'm not going to ask you for a trombone story. That would be too easy. Dove, got any trombone stories for us that we can give out there as a teaser? Just to, okay, either of you can come up with a trombone story. It may or may not be related to Gabs, and we're looking forward as part of the cool room. Oh, no, he's going for his, I can see what's happening in the background there. He's actually pulling out a bloody trombone. Quick, quick, Dove, get in there with a story, my friend. Um, You're all familiar with the brass band at Gabs. We are, or at least I am, and I'm the only one on mic, so, yep. Yep. Um, Mitchell plays the trombone. Much to our surprise, one year when we were actually all working the stand, we had our own stand pouring our beers, uh, he pre-organised with them to just pick up his trombone and start playing when they walked past, and none of us had any idea, and it was pretty great. I may have conveniently forgotten to mention it. And afterwards, he told us that was basically the only song he can remember how to play, which at the time, it didn't seem like that. But 
Guys, I think you've given us a really great feeling, both first and foremost, for how you guys are and how you approach your brewing, but also Urban Alley as as an organisation. It sounds like it's a lot of fun to be there uh, and a great space for people to to get along to and um, enjoy some really fine quality beers in a really approachable way. Thank you for spending some time with us here on a Thursday night in the cool room. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Thank you.